0: We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets.
1: But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the
0: Everyday Driver Car Debate. It's live and happening. We are doing our Utah meetup. We've been teasing it forever. The dates are unchanged. It is August 2nd through the 4th of this year, coming up very soon. But the reason I bring it up right now is because you can actually come now. We actually have, like, the yeah. registration page yeah. open. You go to the Adventures tab on the website. Thanks for being with us. Go to the Adventures tab on the website. You can sign up right now. You'll notice there is a range of costs associated with it because it depends. It's a la carte. It depends on what you come to. All of the costs, and I'm putting it in quotes because it's pretty minimal. All of the costs that we have is covering some of our just logistical fees that we're having to cover. We want as many of you to come as possible. Keep in mind, most of the trip is, uh, most of the adventure is... Uh, a la carte, so if you're going to be covering your own meals and lodging and that kind of stuff. If you want to do the track day, you have to sign up with NASA, but all those links are there. All Everything you need to do is there through the Evite link. Certainly ask us questions, but it's open.
1: It's happening. We can't wait. <laughs> Guys, happy Tuesday. As you can tell, we are traveling, and so we're actually having a phone call. It's like actually kind of cool. Yep. We're, we're back to how, old how times. our... Uh, you know, the show originated, and we were just endlessly talking <laughs> about sure. cars on the phone, which is pretty cool. So we've got a really excellent topic Tuesday for everyone, mm-hmm. sent in by Eric And Eric, thank you so much. It's an article on intellectualtakeout.com, and it's written by mm-hmm. Jeffrey Tucker, who is the editorial director for the American Institute for Economic Research. It sounds boring, but he brings a very emotional take to the subject of design regulations and how they helped ruin American car design. I find this fascinating. We, we might of have to come you back do. to this. Just like our rant about what defines a sports car, we might have to revisit this over time, <laughs> because this is just for American cars, which is about the article, not to mention car yeah. design worldwide and regulations worldwide. But I am endlessly fascinated by this. I do have some thoughts, as you probably suspected, I'm sure you do. that uh, well, we I mean, will jump in a- here.
0: It's a great opinion piece, but then at the same time, it speaks right to the stuff that you have experience with and that we've talked about at large. I have little to no experience with this, and I still have thoughts. So, uh, you know, (laughs) this is a fascinating thing because we talk a lot about, you know, all of the regulations and how they change things. And one of the ones that I'm going to start here and then pretty much hand it to you, Paul. But one of the ones that I talk about all the time because I'm baffled by it is the pedestrian crash regulations, which Uh actually originated in Europe yeah. And yeah. the the best way to look at it is look at a Honda Accord from the 90s and look at a Honda Accord from right now and you'll notice what's happened to the front end is it's become a brick. <laughs> and that's for I mean really, I mean it used to be honestly, you don't think about I think about the yeah. Honda Accord you used to have, Paul. What was
1: your what years was yours? I was a 92 Accord EX, fully loaded okay, okay. and it was a manual. Yeah. It was the it was the 16-valve yeah. manual. I was so proud of proud of myself. 16-valve. But I
0: keep I keep thinking about the fact if you pull up a picture of a 90s Accord, like the era you had, the, fr- the nose of that looks almost svelte. And this is still a front-engine car. I mean, sure, I can say Lotus Elise versus Honda Accord, but that's not fair. I'm talking Honda Accord. It actually has a raked nose on it compared to the current Accord, which has this big, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but big Mack truck-style grille followed by a brick hood. Sure, and that's pedestrian wrong. crash ratings. You're that's the beginning wrong. of this problem. But that, so that's the one that bugs me, but there's so many layers to this.
1: Yeah, there are. Well, we've also got a cool car debate from Eli Hoagland. He's up in Bozeman, Montana, writing about the benefits of buying a properly modified car. And he's got one mm-hmm. that is very surprising. We will describe it all for you. Completely, yeah. And then he's also a Subaru guy. You have probably gotten that Todd and I, if you have $25,000, you're looking for a four-door sedan, buy the WRX. <laughs> (laughs) We haven't revisited (laughs) this, and I mentioned this to you. We haven't revisited WRX land in a long Uh, time. And that's where he's coming from, from a Subaru ownership headspace and love for Mm -hmm. these cars. But I think you and I both have some other suggestions besides the WRX, which will be fun. For sure. For sure, yep. All right. Well, we got to jump into this debate. As I said, Jeffrey Tucker is the author on Intellectual Takeout, and we will post the link to the article and it's a, not to mention a, a really interesting website, but the overall premise is that what happened to the decline of American auto manufacturing? And why do American cars look like boxes? Mm. <laughs> and, and even Eric said, yeah, they're all painted Soviet communist colors. And <laughs> I just, <laughs> I cracked up at that. Just the grays and the browns and the black and, you know, all these boring colors. And therefore the car does not stand out. What's gone mm. wrong? What happened? And what Jeffrey is getting at—you're going to have to read the article—but in summary, that he is stirred by car nostalgia, specifically a Studebaker 1940 Commander convertible that just okay. everybody looks at. Old cars command attention, and yeah. what happened to cool American car styling, specifically the tail fin era, and the emotion mm-hmm. that happened around cars in you know early American car design where where did that go and then the rise of the boxes and to your point everything just looks like a box and yep. now these unintended results are well it's just a car and they're fine and they work but they just don't stir my soul and i i'm really intrigued by this and it actually made me go to digging in some some uh regulations that the NHTSA okay. which is the regulatory government body for mm-hmm, for mm-hmm car manufacturing in the United States or just the, the ability to sell cars in the United States. And then going after all the, all the tech. And so there are things in the article that I agree with. There are a lot of it that I do agree with. But what I don't agree with is the premise that regulatory and, uh, I guess, just regulatory things and rules contributing to the decline of emotion it was mm. a combination of things because if the technology isn't invented and doesn't exist yet, how can po- political bodies and, and governments regulate around that technology? Uber sure, and Lyft sure, and ride-sharing sure. is a classic example. How about the mm, internet mm. tax for shipping to other states? Until that was invented, there weren't any <laughs> regulatory point. policies surrounding this. How about one-click yeah, ordering, the, the huge, massive debate around who owns one-click ordering? And then, you know, Mm, how do we mm. regulate everything? And then, you know, until it's invented, you can't regulate it because it doesn't exist. And now we have to debate and see how it works in. It's just like autonomous cars nowadays working themselves into regulatory approval. And well, the technology has been invented, it exists, it isn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where are we going with this? And what is the federal government going to do with this? What are governments worldwide going to do with this? And how do we... You know, how do we <laughs> regulate and, and decide what goes and what doesn't? I, sure. Okay.
0: Well, I, I, get, I get your point. You're saying people are not going to, back to the design thing we're starting at, and, and it relates to lots of things here. You're right. But the people are not going to say, I don't care anymore. Let's make more regulations. It's people are making another regulation because this new thing popped up. Like, oh, wow, uh, people are looking at a cell phone. We need to make sure that car design now accomplishes what do you do with your cell phone and keep you from looking at it. Mm-hmm. 20 mm-hmm. years ago, there was, nobody had that thought. So all of this kind of exists. Or, you know, you think about gas mileage restrictions. I mean, in the 1950s and 60s, when we've all got tail fins and all of our engines are huge, nobody cares. But once that exists with the oil crisis in the 70s, now look what happens to the Mustang too.
1: Uh, yeah. The Mustang, n- nobody, yeah.
0: nobody sat down and said, let's make the next Mustang terrible. Nobody sat down and <laughs> that had was that not thought. That wasn't
1: an aspiration for Ford. They,
0: <laughs> they yeah. sat down and said, oh man, we have a Mustang, how do we sell a sports car? Uh, we have to worry about these new fuel regulations, let's chase that. And of course it was a disaster, but at the same time, you're right, it, it's, it's cause and effect. It's not, it's not that we just want to be boring, but we are trying to adhere ourselves to all these new regulations because of
1: how, how things change. Absolutely. Well, consumer savviness, I'll say, and education and consumer demand for more functionality from cars because as cool as cars are, as much as we like them, they move from emotional objects to, hmm, I have needs. And this is why we're seeing the rise of BMW niche models to sell to 43 customers. Because yeah. we know those customers and, and car companies creating mood boards and lifestyle videos and trying to identify <laughs> the needs of their customers. <laughs> GM in the 20s, well, GM in the 50s wasn't doing this. They wanted to sell cars sure. based on emotion. And we identified that in the beginnings yeah. of our American yeah. original film. This is an yeah. emotional purchase. But cars are sure. no longer just in that category. They now have to meet a number of different things with which Jeffrey Tucker touches on. First of all, Think about the cars of the 20s. Gorgeous, big, cycle-fendered. Actually, it is very functional, even though they're beautiful, because, well, the engine was enclosed, and the engine technology was a straight-eight sleeve valve engine in the Duesenbergs. And then they had to cover up the tires, so they made these giant balloon fenders, and then they needed a cabin. Well, that's just... First of all, (laughs) we're we're covering up the parts of the car, but then Mm -hmm. as... Time has progressed. What about things like bumper standards—the reducing sure. damage, reducing the cost of repairing, and reducing personal injury? How about crash avoidance, crash worthiness, the ability yeah. to yeah, yeah. service and diagnose the repair, and the ability to repair? Ease of manufacturing and assembling, the cost of reductions of manufacturing, and then how about yeah. tires? Radial mm-hmm. tires were invented. How about fuel efficiency? Is a big one. And aerodynamics. And, and performance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. out of your tires. Can you imagine modern performance tires on a 29 Duesenberg and what that would do to the, <laughs> the dynamics of the car? The, the bearings yeah, would point. be shaved to nothing, to dust in a heartbeat. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: How to destroy your hubs on your unbelievably expensive <laughs> old car. I love this. This is great. Well, you're right. There's a, there's a continuation. I hadn't thought about it until you're bringing it up. There's a continuation of, I hate to say it this way, but it's true, wagon design in early cars. Uh Because you had Uh wagons with the exposed wheels, and then you put an engine in the wagon body, and you've got exposed wheels, Well, now you're going faster, and it's kicking up stuff, why don't we cover those up, let's put, oh, you know what, we've already got the kind of the wagon central part with the engine in it, so let's just cover the wheels separately, and now we have cycle fenders, (laughs) and we all look back 100 years later like, cycle fenders are cool, and some guy's going, I don't want to get muddy. I mean, really, that's the, I mean, (laughs) this is the cause and effect thing we're talking about.
1: That that exhaust, that hot exhaust running the length of your car that's right by your arm as you get out, hmm, that hmm, that could be a problem. And that chain drive, that could take a digit. (laughs) That that could, hmm, that could solve something. Yeah, good point. We should should enclose that to keep the people safe. So two things are my reaction to this article. And I actually have one big issue with a particular statement in there. It's a combination of technologies and safety requirements and the proliferation of those that then regulators have to deal with that have brought us to this era in car design. And for where we're at from a manufacturing and efficiency standpoint, I think most car designs and most car companies are doing a dang good job incorporating everything. Because Mm, you think mm. about all these inventions. From the very beginning, low voltage ignition Moving to mass production, Henry Ford. Then fuel injection sure. was invented. How about automatic transmissions and torque converters? Tempered glass,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. hydraulic mm-hmm, brakes, mm-hmm.
1: seat belts, windshield uh-huh. wipers, power steering, improved paints. Then airbags came along. And how about nowadays, manufacturing adhesives? There's no more mechanical fasteners. Oh, sure. And sure, then yeah. for the future... How about low-cost carbon fiber? You've probably heard me talk about this before, Mm -hmm. and if you caught our podcast with Jason Fenske and Matt Farah and uh, who else was on when we were uh, at the Super Bowl. Oh,
0: man, Patrick George, uh, Mark from Savage Geese. On and on it went. It was great.
1: Keep going. I I brought this up about the pitch-based carbon fibers and getting that under $1.50 a pound, as opposed to polymer-based carbon fibers that do not have as good of properties. So when cheap, good carbon fiber becomes the norm then, well, okay, carbon sure. fiber shatters, and so how are we going to you know, manufacture it and then regulate it so we can meet crash safety standards, all these kinds of things? This is by virtue of invention and manufacturing mm, and mm. lower cost of products. So now regulators have to deal with those and incorporate those into car manufacturing. So, okay, I, I understand that it's, it's easy to point at a car and think, wow, those politicians... Regulated the fun and emotion out of cars. It's been technology, but how about the balance between all these inventions of cars making two things. The car's better, making them more fuel-efficient aerodynamic, and keeping the people safe. I'll be yeah. honest. <laughs> Crashes in old cars, no airbags, maybe they didn't have seatbelts, they're built of iron. Yeah. I, yeah that's probably not a good event, whereas a well, modern Corolla can easily withstand far better crash standards than any gigantic Duesenberg could have ever withstood.
0: I think it was the Impala. I believe it was Chevy a couple years back did a 50s Impala versus a modern Impala in the offset crash test. They head-to-headed them, okay? They ran them into each Uh other in the offset uh crash test. Yeah. And the footage is chilling we should find that and link that as well because watching that 50s impala which is this just stately grand awesome thing whereas let's be honest the impala the current impala is kind of a box of yawn you look at the two of them and (laughs) that 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 classic impala is so sexy and then you watch it essentially skewer the passengers that aren't in the car when it when it hits it's horrifying to think how how awful it would have been to be in a wreck in that old thing. And I'll go even more modern. Look, my Lotus Elise was sold in the US on an exception. They had an exemption. Mm, I forget the, the rules of it, but they had an exemption Lotus because of the small volume. They got an exemption on the crash safety standards of the time it was sold. Because let's be honest, as much as I love that car and it has a steering like no other, your ankles are involved in the crash zone and the car is tiny. Ooh. And if it had to if it had to adhere to every single crash standard that every other car at the time had to adhere to, it would not have passed, but it got one of those low volume uh, ex- exemptions and that 's why it sold at all in this country and The reason it went away is because the u s went to dual stage airbags, meaning airbags that fire at different levels of velocity or, or velocity, if you will, depending upon the level of the crash. Lotus did not want to work up that technology for the Elise specifically, and so they quit selling the car here. So I mean, and that's Unnilly about modern. as modern as it
1: gets. <laughs> I mean, that was right. Smart airbags versus advanced smart airbags was the difference, right? And they just didn't mm, want to yep. develop their own tech or source it or whatever because of cost, because they're still such a low they, volume car manufacturer. It yes. wasn't cost effective. And it's it, not like a good business decision. It, Totally well, and come back to
0: this. The the Avora went away for a year or two because the same regulation required the Avora to have the same kind of advanced airbags. Right. But Lotus right. took the time because of the cost point of the Avora to figure it out for the Avora and continue selling the Avora a year or two later in the U.S. Whereas the Elise, they just went, we're not doing it anymore. So fascinating how I mean all of this stuff relates. We're talking about you know less glass, higher body size uh, the t- pedestrian crash test thing, all of this. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's almost like the early 2000s Transformer Camaro becomes the archetype for modern car design. It needs to look cool yeah. because the windows are narrow and the body sides are high and the front is a brick. And you know what? Let's do that
1: in every form possible. It's interesting that the author, Mr. Tucker, is referencing an article from a day before written by Barry Davis in the Wall Street Journal, and it's the, the death of design for the U.S. automotive sales decline. <laughs> Talk about lighting a fire over here because the, uh, the author of that article, Barry Davis, is identifying the brand new Cadillac XT6 as opposed to mm-hmm. you know a 57 Cadillac Eldorado or something like that that nobody's ever going to remember the new XT6. Hey, it's the brand new model, and nobody cares. Nobody's going to remember it decades mm, from now. Mm. They're going to remember the cool tail fin 57 or 58, sure. let's say, with a, with a stainless steel top. I mean, how that's never going to be done again. I mean, things like that. And he's right, but car manufacturers also have to make money, and they have to make money for what is in the market right now. And then that was the style of the era, and... That's one of the reasons we're not going backwards to that style as much as I want car manufacturers to bring a model back. Pick one of their famous, beautiful cars to bring back in a modern sure. way and sell it sure, at full yeah. volume over here for us enthusiasts who would hopefully buy it. And then all yeah. the eggs and the autonomous and electric whatever's for the future. Fine, go make that stuff. But you're you're making this diverse range of, you know, great cars from, you know, niche enthusiasts who just want a gas powered car to you know, whatever the future is, so. I, I would yeah, love that yeah, to yeah. happen. But again, GM is making cars that will make them money now. They can't just, yeah, well, we should make you know the '57 Eldorado because that was the cool one and people would buy. No, they wouldn't. They would not buy mm-hmm. that right mm-hmm. now. So your your uh, conversation about your Lotus is contradictory towards. Mr. Tucker's statement here in the article. He says, Never mind that, the, that safety and the environment create contradictory results. The more gas you save, the lighter the car, and the more likely it is to kill you in a crash. I disagree highly with this because mm. let's avoid the crash in the first place. You're, you're making the general yeah. assumption yeah. that if you crash, it should be the 67 Buick road-hugging weight to plow through whatever else you hit. <laughs> another car, a road barrier, a bridge abutment, and you know, that's what keeps you safe is is weight. Well what about fuel savings? You know, you, you acknowledge that, but let's avoid mm-hmm. the accident in the first place and make better technology where it handles better, brakes better, and accelerates between the two oncoming or, or the, the semi trucks that sure, are closing sure. in and you're you're trying to accelerate into the on ramp and get away from everybody. Mm. Kind of like a bike. Yikes, yeah. a, a bike can outrun yeah. a lot of stuff. And therefore that's why I think motorcycle. it makes motorcycles a degree safer, because they can just outrun and leave traffic behind or outbreak everybody. Or you know, there's deficiencies that motorcycles have too, but that's not the point. It's
0: yeah, you know, yeah.
1: the lighter the car, the more likely it is to kill you. That's that's not where my headspace is at. And I well, that, I that, disagree with this.
0: I well, but you and I have disagreed uh Kind of with the general thought process on that before when we've talked about cars for teenagers, you know, because yeah. the, and, I, yeah. and I say this, look, I, I get the parental thinking. I totally do. You know, we've said this before, the, the, the traditional parental thinking now is, I'm going to put my baby in the largest house <laughs> of a car I can with the most possible airbags. But there's no consideration for the other side of that equation is, they're so removed from the driving experience, and if it goes wrong, this thing they're driving is so unable to be agile or quick-responding, and is now carrying so much weight and mass that that young driver is probably very unprepared to handle it in a situation. Mm -hmm. You put that same driver in a Miata, and I'm not saying the Miata is the end-all be-all here, but it's a great example. You put them in a Miata that is a manual transmission, and now they are required to think about what they're doing at a level that is, look, I'll go away from the Miata, the brand new Corolla XSE we drove, Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. with the six-speed manual. That's a pretty bare-bones car. I'm going to buy a car for a teenager, but it has modern airbags, modern tech. It's not heavy. It's not overly fast, and it's got a six-speed manual. That versus I'm going to buy a... Uh, recent Monster SUV for my kid. The Monster SUV is supposedly going to be the safer choice, but I submit that the Corolla is the
1: far safer choice because they can probably handle that. Exactly. I'm with you on that. All right, so you've got to read the article. And again, Mr. Tucker, I hope you're listening. I hope you get a chance to respond. I, I think your article is really fascinating, but we can't just stand there in awe of the old cars and, man, I wish that's how they were. No, I I mean, I wish the floor pans on old Mustangs were better engineered so it could withstand crashes better and, you know, more Mm -hmm. modern welds or whatever that is. I I wish for the beauty. And that was automakers trying everything. But I do disagree that the government mandates everything from a car design standpoint because, you know me, I'm list guy, I have a list of brand new modern cars that are, indeed, beautiful, elegant, graceful. Awesome. Starting with the Lexus LC500.
0: Agreed, agreed. Don't yeah. tell
1: me that beautiful car design with modernity and, and the, the manufacturing capability that Toyota and Lexus enjoy, the, the LC500 is the epitome of that. It's so beautiful yeah. and striking. Yeah. Alfa Romeo Giulia, the Cayman and the mm-hmm. 911, 9-11 to a degree. Uh, we, okay. could, we could debate yeah. that. How about 9, nine <laughs> You know what? The 9-11, hang on. The
0: 9-11 is a car that stands in contrast of a lot of what we're saying, because a lot of what we're saying is that car design has been forced to change by regulation. The 9-11 has <laughs> just kind of said, nope, this is oh, our true. shape. This is where we are. True. But they have survived. True. But let's be honest, they have almost survived this pedestrian crash test thing problem by accident, because it's a rear engine car. And that has allowed them to to, (laughs) to maintain the same basic shape that it's had forever because a lot of the problems that have been changed for, if you will, I I almost feel like the 911 has grown into its looks over time.
1: Hmm. Where the rest of car
0: design has grown into a place where the 911 now kind of makes sense in a way that it looked a little bit beetle and Oddball originally. When, you know, everybody else is doing, okay, 1963, everybody else is doing the E-Type. you have the 911. I'm (laughs) sorry, but the 911 does not win that beauty contest. (laughs) Sure, I agree. But but over time, the 911's kind of grown into
1: its looks. But that is interesting. Keep going. Go on. All right. So, I mean, we have to consult the Italians, just like Alfa Romeo. How about the new F8 Ferrari Tributo and the Ferrari F12? There's some gorgeous surfaces going on. Creative, beautiful. Yeah, for
0: sure. For sure. The Pagani
1: Huayra. The Koenigsegg Jesko. The brand new Jesko named after Christian Koenigsegg's Mm -hmm. dad. The Mercedes mm-hmm. AMG GTS, that thing is beautiful it's and sexy. I don't care what you objectively say. Objectively
0: great looking car. I totally oh, agree with that.
1: You're right. You're right. Yeah. I think the new NSX is beautiful. I think the Jaguar F-Type is beautiful. Yes. Possibly the Ford GT. I love it because of the, the history and for what it represents, but there are some things mm-hmm. on there that are just, wow, striking and beautiful. Okay, yeah, let's go yeah. low cost. How about the Alpine A110? Is that not yeah, beautiful?
0: Okay. It it is, honestly, that's one that, and I like that car a lot, and I'm excited to drive it for for the show and for TV, but I actually think that car is more attractive because of what it is and its history and how it references its own history and styling. I don't think the, and look, I may be controversial because I think the car is cool, I don't think the original Alpine or the current one, are huge beauty contest cars, but I think what they represent makes them attractive. I think the new 4C, though, in a world where the Elise can't be sold here, Alpha sells the 4C, that's a victory, too.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, you're right. I forgot about the 4C. You know, various Aston Martins, McLarens, we could go on, Mm -hmm. but you get the idea. Sure. I disagree. Now, most all of these cars that I'm naming are at the very high end of the market. None of us can really afford them. Maybe the Alpine and maybe the Lexus at some point, but... You know, sure, I take your point. Auto manufacturers putting all their effort into the cars that are going to use amazing materials and be powerful and elegant and all these kinds of things, well, they exist. There's mm-hmm. more cars than I have named on the planet that are in this category, too, of brand new cars you can buy that are indeed gorgeous. Because it got me thinking, what what's beautiful? Yeah. Well, tastes yeah. have changed. The Lexus LC500 totally, yes. looks beautiful to our eye because those shapes and those combinations have not been really seen before. Whereas the mm-hmm. tail fins we love, but you know, that's the Dame Edna eyeglasses, the 50s eyeglasses. Like that's coming that's sure. back yeah. then, that was popular then. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but, point taken. You know, <laughs> we, we also don't wear powdered wigs anymore. We're, we're in a... This is true.
0: We're, we, are, we are a bit past that era, you're right. <laughs> the, the, I, you know what? Beauty has but... changed.
1: But on these lines,
0: you know, I think the current Mustang is good looking. And I'm not a big Mustang guy. I think the current Mustang hmm. is good looking. Hmm. I think the, uh, the Mazda RF, the Miata RF is great looking, talking about affordable cars. I know it's not for everybody, yeah. but I think the 86, BRZ uh, FRS 86, I think that is a pretty good looking car as well. I think for most people recognize that as what it is, which is a sports car, good sports car shape versus, you know, just kind of another car right. in the crowd. I mean, those exist there. I also, look, I am going to even bring up a CUV. I think, I don't know that I'd go with beautiful, but I think the Volvo XC40
1: is a head-turning design. Yeah, it is. I saw one today, as a matter of fact, and I went, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. We drove yeah. that. We really liked it. Yeah. And, and, and
0: don't don't get me wrong. I, look, I'm not, a, I, obviously, we've talked about it. I'm not a huge CUV fan. I don't think that that is a car where I'm just like, whoa, that's beautiful. But every time I see one, I'm just like, that's well done. And you know, because of its market segment, and because it's Volvo, and because it's a CUV, its first and foremost concern was, guys, designers, it must check all these safety boxes. Mm-hmm. And they still came away with something where it's like, that's pretty cool looking.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think ultimately it's okay to leave these cars in their era. What if everybody... We're still driving around. What if all the car manufacturers still made Cobras and '59 Cadillacs and you know all these cool cars, Mustangs, everything driving around? Well, great. I, I, you know, there'd be have to you know have to be a lot of re-engineering and new components and new materials and that kind of thing. But that's the style of the times, and that's yeah. identified as cars are fashion objects, and then consumers yeah. wanting more out of them has cause this, along with regulation, along with technology. So ultimately, I think it's a combination of things. But I'm all for it. Let's leave those cars in that era and enjoy them for what they are. Continue, Mm -hmm. hopefully, buying and pushing car manufacturers to build beautiful cars. But cars are ultimately emotion objects. It makes you feel a certain way. You're happy. And that's what Todd and I want you listening, all of our audience, to get out of this is we want you to look back. When you click the the lock button, I want you to look back and Yeah, yeah that's my Agreed. baby. Look Agreed. at her. Look at her. Yeah, They're totally. just sitting there totally. in a cool color and that is what we want. And it can be found at almost any price level. So not only yeah, are we gonna have to revisit, cool. you know, all of the uh the, what is it, the uh the cars by price point uh that we need mm-hmm. to do yeah. that we've been talking yeah. about, but you know, Enthusiast cars and by and manufacturer again.
0: We definitely need to. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I, I I like the idea of let's get good design at every price point. That would be a really fun topic Tuesday. We should chase that down the line for sure. This was fun.
1: Yeah, and, and I like that
0: you get you get to go American off on cars. design. <laughs>
1: We've just yeah. you know American regulations. Let's talk about the BMW 507. Let's talk about yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: the <laughs> Z1 with no doors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah, they, these are all likely. That's very cool. Well, awesome. I love that. We do have a car debate coming up right after the break, so uh, stay with us.
1: Hey, those of you in Los Angeles, Todd and I will be there Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. We're going to be grabbing a quick bite from about 630 to 830, somewhere in there, a couple hours at the Westfield Century City Mall. It's the food court there at 10250 Santa Monica Boulevard in LA. So if you're in the area, we'd love to see us swing by and grab a bite.
0: We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search
1: them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more. Or you can jump to Auto Trader and CarGurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest.
0: Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want.
1: So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, Autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago.
0: So we're back with a car debate for Eli writing to us from Montana, and, and this, this first reads like, I want a WRX, but I think it goes broader than that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Eli's mm-hmm. been with us, yeah, he's been with us for a while. He's 28, and, uh, and he and his wife uh, are, are chasing a new car. Now, she has a 2010 Honda Cross Tour. That's covered. She likes it. It works. It's fine. It's no problem. Where this gets interesting... Is that he has always kind of lusted after the WRX. He has now his first decent job to buy a car. He's got a budget of up to about 30 grand, but he's been driving a
1: 2011 Outback that is full of surprises. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, uh, Eli's father passed away about three years ago, and he was mm-hmm. a gearhead that worked on all kinds of things. He said he could fix anything before the OBD standard was invented. By the way, that's something else that's that was cool. invented and you know, modernized yeah, and regulated you promptly.
0: For sure, for <laughs> so, sure, yeah, of course it was. Said he
1: had a 1969 International flatbed pickup truck with the 6.4 liter V8. He had all kinds of stuff, and Eli memorializes him by spreading a pinch of his ashes on any engine of any car he owns that has over 200 horsepower. Pretty cool. I love that. That's you're, pretty cool. You know, that's very just cool. Remembering your your family and remembering your dad. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's great. He has contracted the disease since finding our content. I'm so glad to hear that. Has owned a few cars, but mostly Subarus. You notice this? He's Subaru guy. Oh, yeah, guy. big time. There's a lot of Subarus in here, for sure. Yeah. 05 <laughs> Subaru Legacy. Well, first of all, he had a 2000 Ford Focus, screwed a, a turbo he bought on eBay to it, blew up the transmission, sold it for scrap, Yay.
0: Yeah, bought it for by the way, bought it from six for six hundred dollars. Yeah, right, right. Screwed screwed an eBay turbo to it, blew it up. I mean that is that is honestly, that is the dawn of the project car disease right there. Bought a car for cheap, bought a part for cheaper, merged them together, had a catastrophic event. Wow, that was funny. I mean that's really what that is. I'm telling
1: yeah. you, there have got to be some sort of cave drawings and hieroglyphs from early mankind about how you bought a crappy car and you screwed a turbo to it, you blew it up, and you sold it for scrap. I mean, isn't that somewhere, some cave drawing, and then fire was invented after that? Right after, when it was, it was fire, followed by I
0: invented the wheel, followed right. by now a cave drawing where I tried to merge the wheel and fire, because those things are bound <laughs> exactly. to be better. That's really what that there was. Yeah, exactly.
1: There it is. All right, so we moved on to an 05 Subaru Legacy purchased for $4,000. Hated the engine and suspension setup, sold for a $300 profit. Well done. Then yeah, staying with yeah. Subaru. 05 Outback XT automatic transmission for five grand, purchased right after college. Oil leaks galore, lots of noises that <laughs> <clears throat> couldn't find the origin of. Terrible five speed automatic. He loved it. That was totaled in a 40 miles per hour rear collision due to a texting Oof. driver. Got oh, an man. insurance payout of $8,000. No injuries, fortunately. And so yeah. now he's got a 2011 Super Outback 3.6R Limited. bought with 188,000 miles, it's about to roll over 200K. But he loves it. And this yeah. is the car that, that is the headline of The Benefits of Buying Something Properly Modified. Uh-huh. because as he he took it to a shop of a friend that builds drag racers as one does
0: okay well, you do with your car. Of course, we all have that friend. Because eh? we all have that friend. And what you want to be is, you know, I realize I bought a family box here. But let's see what it does on the dyno. That's really, that. that's, this is, this is honestly, this is let's, the progression. The, this is the glyph compre, uh, progression of I invented fire. I invented the wheel. There we go. I set the wheel on fire. Then I took it to the neighbor
1: in the neighboring cave to show off the fact that I have a wheel with fire. I mean, exactly. this is really what we're doing. And yeah. then we dynoed it and found out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> OK, so they did an ECU dump. They were poking around. And after looking up serial numbers, Eli found the car had some major precision work done. meant the flat six had been completely rebuilt with forged rings, pistons, rods, and they don't really know what else. The CVT had been replaced with a proper five-speed automatic. And the bottom of the engine and some of the exhaust had parts from a Porsche GT3.
0: Yeah, where I have, okay. I have to stop here. I have to stop here and shake my head because this is one of those situations. I've, I've been discovering this. This is that that term I created a while back called carchology, where you're trying yes. to figure out what happened to this car before I owned it. This is that world. And I and I continue, by the way, to do this with my Lancer. And one of the things that I marvel about with my Lancer, which, let's be honest, has a different front end, different front fascia. It has an aftermarket sunroof. It has all these little things that they've done to the car before I owned it. And and I've dug in enough to know that it's even before the guy before me. So some other owner did it. Somebody spent a lot of money on this car. That's the thing about this Outback. If you look up a 2011 Outback, this is not a, well, when Outbacks were cool. Because, you know, you could argue (laughs) that there were, like, you know, smaller Outbacks and Foresters where they were interesting. This is the big boat of a current Outback. But somebody took this thing and spent, I don't even know, I can't even guess how much money Astounding. doing, think about this, all new transmission, forged internals, what on earth, there was money spent, and
1: and here we are with Eli who bought it for eight grand. Unbelievable. Okay, so after the dyno run, they found out it makes 315 horsepower, 294 pound-feet of torque, rather than the 254, 247 from the factory, runs on yeah. 87 octane, He said he's got general tire RT forty three tires on it. And my favorite sentence of all is this it has no right to exist. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that awesome? This car has no right to exist, and yet it does. I Yeah, it's great. It's really good. (laughs) Uh, It's really good. I love it. But this is where this is where the problem
0: begins because Eli would like to have something a little more enthusiast based, but here he has, for lack of a better way to put it, an accidental enthusiast car. And he has it for cheap. Right. So now he wants to spend 25 to 30 grand. He would like to have something that has a back seat for a child seat, uh, a, a good hatchback, and heated seats. Those are his primary requirements. But he wants to come away with something he likes and is surprised by as much as this Outback, maybe even more. He's leaning toward the WRX because he's always wanted one.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: the first thing I have to say, Eli, is you realize if you go buy a modern WRX, it's not a hatch.
1: Right, right. I mean, he's so, looking at the 2010 so that, to 2014 hatch. He's not yeah, driven one. Yeah. And that's a contender. Yeah. Could and, be in
0: there. And, and, if, and if you go that route, here's the other thing I would say. If you go that route, if you go back to get the hatch, then you may as well get the STI, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I agree. Because I, 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 I think that's a more interesting car in this scenario. And I actually liked, and, and as much as they were questionable when they first came out, I think the design of that late last STI hatch actually aged really well. So if you wanted yeah, to go yeah. in the WRX world, I think it's the STI hatchback, not the WRX hatchback, that is the place to be. But I,
1: I, I like some of the other stuff he's brought up that's more modern. And I have even more things to bring up, too. I love it. Well, his budget is twenty five dollars Paul Limiter of $30,000. He's got to have a back seat that can fit a child's car seat, because he and his wife have an mm-hmm. 18-month-old. Congratulations on your growing family. It needs yep. to be a hatch, heated seats. And he's got some contenders of things he's not really driven yet, like a Civic Type R. He's driven Uh the Civic EX hatch and really likes the dynamics there. Hyundai Veloster N is up there. And by the way, that is part Mm -hmm. of a triple car comparison coming out for Season 5 content. We did drive that. Uh, We mentioned the prior-gen WRX STI hatch, so 2010-2014. Kia Stinger GT, he is not driven, but he'd have to kind of wait for them to be a bit used. And focus mm-hmm. st. So all the kind of the usual suspects in here, and then you know he's saying, well, where do I go? you know he needs to drive all of these for his drive homework and Eli, mm-hmm. I think you realize for that for sure for sure i don't yep. know that you're going to get all that done in montana even you might have to go to vegas or la or washington or somewhere if you're on come vacation come down to but... salt lake and well drive yeah a bunch absolutely of come to salt lake
0: salt lake's got a pretty good uh, pretty good turo market too so yeah, you might do that or you're right very you could true. probably go to vegas and turo about anything that's an option that's, that's money we're going to go to vegas for vacation and i'm going to drive <laughs> a bunch of stuff i, mean, I actually <laughs>
1: like this conversation yeah your wife's going to hate this but you're going to have a blast yeah i that. You have a newborn, and and you know yes, but that is part of it. But 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 this
0: is what parents and in-laws are for. You take your (laughs) you take your random vacation. They're excited to have the grandkid.
1: You go off and do stuff. Come on, that's how this works. Anyway, yeah. All right. So, I I think the Civic Type R is up there. I think you can get Type Rs for about thirty now, somewhere in there. And you know I'm looking for in Bozeman the ability in the Subaru arena where it's not so exotic and weird and, you know, you, you might have trouble servicing it or something like that, you know, a BMW or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I was toying with the new Mazda 3 hatch. I am toying with this because mm. okay. it's a brand new car with a manual transmission yeah, yeah. and all wheel drive. So, it is kind fair. of fair. the yeah. prior gen WRX STI hatch by Mazda mm. without the turbo. It doesn't have nearly the power. Yeah. but
0: it's, It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah. All right, but, all but there's, there's a
0: compelling—it's a compelling build sheet. I see where you
1: are there, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely, yeah. and it's yeah, a compelling yeah. price. And I know I'm not even spending 30k, but you know that is a compelling thing. I mean, look, Eli, I was—I was toying with things like the the Buick Regal GS, and you haven't mentioned that sure. manual transmission is a priority. You—you you have not stated that in here. And by virtue mm-hmm. of your other cars, you've said, well, they're automatic transmissions, and so I think you probably would be able to you know, go for an automatic car or something like that. But I'm looking yeah. for the enthusiast. But if, if you don't, I love your list. I do think the new, new Mazda 3 needs to be on your list of driving. But like I said, okay. fly to Vegas where there's everything. Come down to Salt Lake. Go to somewhere on vacation. Mm-hmm, get your drive mm-hmm. homework done in a weekend. And it's a fun. You go out for dinner. Go out for lunch. Whatever you're doing, have a grand time and get all that checked off. Yeah. Because yeah. you might need to buy one of those cars and drive it back to Bozeman is my point. And Interesting
0: point as well, you know, I see you. Yeah, might yeah, not yeah. even
1: be able to buy one okay. so I'm, I'm just okay. wondering. Uh, but I want to hear your choices too. Well,
0: I, I want to talk through his choices. I want to add a couple wild cards as well. Uh, look, Eli, you mentioned the Civic Type R. I think that's a fantastic dad car. I think you would enjoy it like crazy. I'm trying to find things that you will be surprised by in the same way mm-hmm. you have been mm-hmm. with your Outback. Sure. Now, let's be honest. Sure. You're surprised by the Outback because it's not what it should be. Okay, but you said you've driven (laughs) the car has no right to exist. (laughs) Seriously, you said you've driven the Focus ST and you thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm using that also as as a frame of reference. I like the Focus ST a lot. We've talked about it before. We've talked about it against lots of other things. We have an old piece now that was Focus ST versus uh, Mazda Speed Three. Both of those are very fun cars. I think uh, you're going to want something a little more modern. Than the Focus ST, and I think that not only is the Civic Type R uh, more modern, I also think it's more fun than the Focus. I think it is better sorted than the Focus ST. I'm taking the, the Focus kind of lower on your list. Also, you have the Hyundai Veloster R, uh, pardon me, Hyundai Veloster in on your list. That's also more fun than the Focus ST. And you can go get a new one for your budget, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I I think the Type R may be a stretch. I mean, you may find one at thirty, but I really think legitimately you're going to be at thirty-five or so out the door there. Probably but so. But the yeah. the Veloster N, you could just go get one, Absolutely. and I think you'd be shocked by it. Now you're dealing with a a two seat. Well, okay three-door, four-seat car. (laughs) Yes, that can work for family and for child seat. You aren't dealing with a full four-door. I still think you would love that. I think that is is a big contender here. I like that a lot. The Kia Stinger made me think about a few other things. Yes, technically it's a hatch. Yes, you would have to wait a bit, I think, to get it down to your budget. But that made me think of a couple other things. When you're out driving, I'm mainly in drive homework land for you, Eli. When you're out driving, do me a favor and find and drive a Golf R. Oh, good, good. Because your Outback is the sleeper hatch, and that's what the Golf R does well. The rest of these we're talking about are more hair on fire than the Golf R. In fact, and I like, look, I like the WXS. I like the old STI, but you're going to be in no more modern reality than you are right now really. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get you newer than that. Plus, you've owned a string of Subarus. Let's get something else. Let's get something not even doesn't have a Subaru badge at all. So <laughs> while you're driving exactly. these, because you've liked that sleeper hatch of your Outback, drive that Golf R, because it might be the sweet spot for you. It isn't as fun as some of these others, but it does that sleeper thing so well, and they really can't be denied, which brings me to three wild cards. Ooh, three. Two of them are wild because they aren't even hatches. But if you're driving stuff... Drive the Genesis G seventy. It's actually more fun than the than
1: the the Stinger. It isn't a hatch interesting. though. Interesting. It's not a, a hatch. It was it's bigger car. And I, that didn't come up in my mind just because of the size. Well, but you're right. That well, is a contender. But the,
0: the G but the G seventy is smaller than the Stinger. That's the thing I like yeah, about it. Yeah, and true, I think it is true. it's it's very interesting in that regard. So I think you should drive it and ask yourself must I have a hatch? I know you're spoiled to a hatch, but again, your wife has that cross tour. So, do you need a hatch? You clearly need back seat, child seat, but do you need a hatch? True. So, so, that's why that's a, the wild card. And of course, if I'm going to be in sedans, I have to say it, you can get them all day long for your budget Chevy SS.
1: Mm-hmm. I just saw one in that Park City. Is, it, it's like, wow, there's, there's one. How they're cool. F-
0: they're fun. And they, look, I was looking today, of course I was. I was an Auto Tempest and everywhere else looking around, and, uh, and they have it in orange. And I was oh, nice. kind of like, I don't need one of these cars, but they do have it in orange. <laughs> so anyway, but, but you could get one of those. Chevy SS, that's an amazing dad car. You would love that. You'd love the power. That's another one of those. I'm thinking in sleeper world, you would love. And then my favorite wild card for you, because it is everything. It's all-wheel drive. It feels like the Outback, your Outback, done from the factory by somebody else. Okay? All-wheel drive, full-on hatchback, nice modern tech. The problem I have is I think it's 5 to 10 out of your budget. To really get one, but the Volvo V60 Polestar. Uh, yeah, budget. Wait, what for for thirty? Well, but no, I mean here's for thirty. No, well that's the thing. I, I looked, I looked options between thirty and forty options. Most of the all the all the new ones are sixty, but I'm looking I'm looking at used ones. Like, and they're under forty. I found 40? that pristine. I found that pristine that crazy fun Polestar blue one. I found one of those for thirty-seven. You're that kidding me. Yeah. So again, I've blown your budget. I've played Paul here, and I've blown your budget. But I just thought, if I had to think about who did, who's done from the factory a
1: modern version of what you like about your Outback, I think it's that B60 Polestar. Ooh. My my concern is service. Does Bozeman or you know somewhere else have a Volvo dealer for service? But maybe excellent you've question. Got a, maybe no, you've I think that's good, across the board. Uh, independent dealer or independent shop. I mean, um, yeah. I like the idea yeah. Polestar. That that would be very different and hot. Because, yeah, all your friends... I I do, I feel like... Hey, cool, Sue,
0: what... Yeah, but I do. I think that is the closest to what he accidentally has right now. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so so you know, Eli there's a bunch of stuff to drive there. Thanks, thanks for being with us. Thanks for for liking what we do. If you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast and the TV show, that all of that helps us, and we love that you've been with us for so long and listening. So we hope there's something there that's
1: helpful. Yeah, for sure. He says, uh, "Have we ever had a close call because we were too busy looking at a cool car that just appeared you near you in traffic?" <laughs> Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm traveling in Washington, and I just saw a black GT3 RS 4.0 sitting, three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars car, right there, just like we're going to walk in the park, and there it is. It just appeared. I love it. Holy moly. Well, my problem is, yeah, just beautiful women, but you know, that's another problem. So that's a totally separate issue. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Cars and you know. Anyway, all right. So jump into questions over here. We've got a question uh, Ted wrote to us. Ted Adam Green asks, would would a much better name for the electric Ford than the Mach-E, what would be a much better name than the Mach-E? Preferably Mm, not an older, currently used Ford nameplate. I mean, yes, anything better than the Mach-E. How about just EF, the electric Ford? I mean... Maserati's tried it with the Quattroporti, Renault tried it with Le Car, it's the car. How about just the Ford, or the electric, everybody's doing electric it, come on Ford. Ford. <laughs> the Ford EF, electric Ford, I like it,
0: that's not, that's not bad, I do like that, that's very good. Uh, you know, we actually kind of touched on it, Kirk uh, asked this question, a few of you asked this question, the discussion of FCA and Renault merging, let's see if that goes through. Because wow, yeah. if that happens, that makes them. I think, if not the largest, one of the largest. I, I know they'll be one of the largest car makers in the world, but I think they may be the largest if that goes through. But also, I was thinking about all of the sub brands that
1: covers. Do they the kill number off brands, brands that though. covers? Do they kill well? But think about
0: the fact that Mitsubishi that, that Renault exactly Renault's now got Mitsubishi underneath there and Nissan, okay, and FCA has got everybody, Alpha, Ferrari. Dodge, Chrysler, I mean, it goes, Fiat, it goes on and on and on. The, the list of brands that would be underneath that umbrella is staggering to think about. And mm. I'd be very curious to see where it goes, if it goes. It, it's it's kind of just been breaking news discussed. I'm fascinated to know if it goes and what that would mean for all of those cars. Somebody else asked, does that mean they'd bring the Alpine A110 here? Please do. But I don't oh. I mean, look, that's so far down the road to this. Well, Wouldn't that be crazy, though?
1: That just means uh, Renault has access to FCA's dealership network in the United States. Which true, means, true, true. No, you're right. You know, just ramp up the service abilities and, you know, folks who know how to sell the car and bring that car mm-hmm. but as the hatch addition to that the uh, i rem- i mentioned the Le Car. how about the Renault R5 turbo i mean mm-hmm. I- if we're going to mix yeah. metaphors and mix everything it's it's the hellcat engine <laughs> in an R5 turbo i mean let's <laughs> let's do something crazy to acknowledge everything sure. that these the history of these car companies i'm fascinated by it i mean it's it's like one, one ring to rule them all, I guess. One car company to rule them yeah, all. You're Well
0: done. Look at you with the Lord of the Rings reference. Hey. What happened there? Hey. Hey, I'm quite impressed. Look I can it pull you. it out. Just
1: like you can with sports occasionally, and you'll pull it out some stat. And it write. does. How did it you happens. know that about baseball? Yeah. How did Todd even know that that's how baseball works? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Alvin Teo asks, is the Peugeot RCZ, not the R, worth exploring as a fun car? Its price in his country is decent for, it, for its age. I've always liked the Peugeot RCZ. Of course, the R, but I've always dug that car, even though it's front-wheel drive, but I like that it is technically a four-seater, roomy four-seater, and I've just liked Mm. the design. It's like
0: the Mm -hmm, French mm -hmm.
1: interpreted the Audi TT and made it sexier. Oh, that's you, an
0: interesting, interesting through line. I
1: do see how you got there. They yeah, take their they, yeah, passion, yeah, sure. yeah. sometimes weirdness, but mostly the beautiful emotion in their cars, yeah. and take the German staid TT and make it gorgeous and sexy.
0: I see what you're doing. That's a good, that's a good description on that. I like that. Uh, Instagram, 13BSpot, asked, What car make or model had, uh, had the best or worst influence on changing the automotive landscape? And I tried to stay new, and Ooh. I thought of two.
1: Oh, good. That I
0: think once they dropped, you saw a lot of other car makers thinking about, we should really pursue that arena. We should really go that way. The first is the Toyota Prius. If you ever see a first-gen okay. Prius now, it's a sedan, and it is, it is woefully ugly if you ever see a first-gen Prius. I, I finished Not the gagging, other ones... so I'm listening now. I yeah. Can... Not, yeah, not that the other ones have become overly attractive, but the first-gen Prius was, was objectively a terribly ugly car. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but, but but the minute Toyota came out with that, the whole kind of automotive industry went, what is this? And then it was successful. And then the second-gen was wildly successful. And what did you see? Almost every other car maker started making a hybrid something.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that,
0: that didn't even have it in discussion prior. The Prius drops, makes it a thing, and now everybody has got a hybrid something something. In a similar vein, the Porsche Cayenne. They weren't the first to do the SUV by any means, I'm not claiming that they were, but they were the first, wait, who's doing an SUV? Huh. They were the first of that list. And the minute that they dropped the Cayenne, this all sports car company drops the Cayenne and makes it a thing and then makes it their most successful model. I feel like that was the domino for which any car company that wasn't making one said, we've got to make an SUV. There was a lot of gnashing of teeth, as I recall. Porsche's doing a what now? Hugely so. Hugely so. And everybody was, not only was it was there freak out across the board, especially with enthusiasts, but there was this whole discussion of, well, that's going to be a disaster, and that's not going to work, and why are they doing it, and they've ruined the company, and they'll never make good sports cars again. All of that happened. Yeah. None of that was true. Yeah. It comes out, and it proves wildly successful, and in many ways could be argued, saves the company. And now if you go forward from 2003 when the Cayenne came out, Every car company, and I can actually say every now, including Lamborghini, Ferrari, everybody is doing an SUV, and they are doing it predominantly
1: because of the accounting books, because Uh they got to make some money in this market. (laughs) Well done. Those those are great, actually. Those are great. I'm trying. By the way, the first-gen Prius, does everybody know that they had drum brakes in the rear? Those rear mm-hmm. tires just held the back end of the car off the ground. They were not drive wheels. <laughs> they had drum brakes. It was like technology from the 1940s Holding the back end of this newfangled car from the future. Anyway, that's my random first input. You're, right.
0: you're right. No, you're absolutely right. That's the case. That, that was an unbel- The fact that that <laughs> crazy, <laughs> economical, really low end car was successful at all and changed the industry, I think, is quite profound.
1: By the way, uh, we just found out from chance that the Porsche 928 seats were used in the Aluminum Falcon, Millennium Falcon, whatever it's called. <laughs>
0: yes, the Millennium Falcon. Because those are the right seats. I mean, really, if They're you're the going right to do the, the, the Kessel run in, in 12 and a half parsecs, you got to have the right seats. So anyway, no, no, yeah, I, I don't really know are. what you're
1: talking about there, but I'm just saying the I, I, I knew I could lose. You. I have it wasn't going to be a big trip. Star Wars yeah. somehow, it, it's, it's there. <laughs> I, it all intermixes. All right. Kelvin, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Kelvin Chen has a question on here that is um, <clears throat> a bit uh, a bit different. When it comes okay. to driving in the canyons, is it a rite of passage mm-hmm. to have wrecked a car? On his last Ooh. drive with his car club, he realized he is the only one left that has yet to crash while driving in the canyons. Oh, man. I, okay, that's, that's a good thing. However, yeah. he is by no means slow compared to the rest of the folks in the car club. Is it a bad thing mm. that he's feeling slightly left out? No. What that means, Kelvin, is they all ran out of talent and you have not yet. So good. Not yet. That's a good yeah, thing. Be careful. Yeah. Having a crash of any sort is going to cost you time and money. And mm-hmm. it, it is not a rite of passage by any sense. The, the idea is to not crash, you understand, in IndyCar and Formula One, with the exception of NASCAR. <laughs> but the whole point of racing is to not crash and finish.
0: Yeah, ideally. And, you want to bring the car home. Yeah. That is key. That is key yeah. at all levels. Mechanics, From I am a sixteen-year-old and just got my license to I am the world's greatest driver. <laughs> the number one key thing is bring the car home.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be more hassle than the, you know, the tattoo or the hashtag or the slice in your bedpost of I crashed my car. No, 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 yeah. no, no. That you do not want that, my friend. That's funny. I, I, that funny. I highly avoid that. I, Anyway, I'm, I'm just saying you are no less of a driver or a person by having not mm. crashed your car. Wow.
0: Uh, Daniel Yim, I have to, to point you out on Facebook. I love this. You, said, you just sent us a photo. And you just said, wanted to share the fact that I just got a Lotus Elise. I, 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 sold my, I sold my S2000. Wait, wait, wait. Listen, listen to me now. I sold my S2000 to get something more comfortable. And then it ended up more ca- hardcore, <laughs> thanks to you guys. So essentially, what I've decided here, Paul, is that we're doing, we're doing God's work. We really are. You know, we, <laughs> we're, we're, you know. He leaves an S2000 for something more comfortable to whiz up at a Lotus Elise. That, that needle did not point the right direction. But at, on the other end of the spectrum, you ended up in exactly the right car. I'm thrilled you enjoy it. I love that <laughs> we are responsible. Thank you. That's very cool.
1: <laughs> I love that. I mean, your thing is getting people into harder and harder hardcore cars and i'm blowing yes. their budgets out. So if you blow yeah. your budget out and get a race car, we are done here. <laughs> we're we're done. If you,
0: yes, if your car is less usable than it used to be and it costs you more than you intended to spend,
1: we really have accomplished something. Really, we have done yeah, we've done good stuff. A note on comfort from Thomas G22 Instagram. The car is everything you're looking for, but the seats are incredibly uncomfortable. Put Porsche Ooh. 928 seats in them. Wait, no, that's not the question. Would we still buy the car? Would we swap out the seats to something third party that are or the most comfortable. Yeah, if you really love the car but the seats just aren't there, those are parts that can be changed, albeit with cost. Yeah. But those yeah, are sure. seats seats are good because those can be changed. Even though we do evaluate cars with the seats they came from from the factory because that's what the engineers and designers spec for the performance of that car. Yeah. The yeah, true. true last true. generation of the Mitsubishi Evo 10 notwithstanding, then no that's,
0: yes. that's actually the poster child for this discussion for sure because you could get the you could put the recaros after the fact you could put them back in because you've got to be kidding and that's cuz they lost their deal with Ricaro and they could quit putting them in the car mm-hmm. so there is that kind of thing and i will also say there's something else weird that goes on i had this experience when i had my frs and i had a uh, a, a loner car of a terrible corolla which i realized is synonymous at the time but it was synonymous <laughs> i loved the frs seats love them mm. after driving the corolla for a week and then turning it in for my get my car back, I discovered two things. One, cars with terrible seats, your body starts to adjust to them too. Your body yeah. starts to go, this is what I'm dealing with, and so I guess I'm okay now. You in don't a love bad me, way, you kind of adjust. Yeah. And then when I hopped back into my FRS, I couldn't get comfortable initially. Oh, really? It's Like, wow, these seats are these seats are not as good as I remember. 24 hours later, I was in love again. But I had gotten my body used to the bad Corolla seats, and they were genuinely bad. And then I got back in the FRS, and they didn't feel right. So my other commentary to you is, if you love everything about the car but the seats, I think you are going to adjust to them a little bit while you are
1: figuring out what seats you might want to do as an alternative. Hmm. hmm. Good. There's a note on Twitter from cullins 21 over here asking if we feel pressure to like a car when it has rave reviews. He recently drove a Mark 7 GTI with the DSG and didn't care for it. And his friends think he's crazy or just too particular. I think the answer is no for both of us. And I realize I'm speaking for you, but I think the answer is no. We want to acknowledge and say, okay, people are liking this car. Great. Good to know. But we want to know whether we'll like it but we might like it for different reasons or dislike it for different reasons and therefore Mm,
0: mm, i think mm -hmm.
1: both todd and i come into a review or a particular drive of a car with no preconceived notions and whether it's a kia or a pagani doesn't matter i mean we've heard automotive journalists talk some slag about paganis and kind of how janky that part was and how they wouldn't love living with that thing all the time even though it's a wyra i mean come on
0: Mm -hmm. And then
1: other cars are just brilliant, and, I mean, sometimes begrudgingly for me, Toyota Corolla XSE manual transmission, but you know what I mean. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you and I actually try to approach things two different ways,
0: too. There is the layer at which we drive it, and if we don't like it, we start thinking about, but who is this for?
1: Yeah. Because there have been
0: plenty of cars that, that I haven't connected with, but I can go, but I can tell you who would like this. And I, and I feel true, like that's still true. part of our job. On the other end of the spectrum, we've driven a few things where I'm like, okay, if anybody likes this, they haven't driven enough cars. Okay? So true, there, there's two true. layers to this here. So, so, Jay Collin, my commentary to you is the, the Mark 7 GTI with G, DSG is an excellent car. That doesn't mean it's a good car you're going to like. No car is perfect. And just because you don't like it, by the way, that doesn't make you wrong. That means it doesn't speak to you. And that's what we're all about is getting into a car that speaks to you. And generally, look, I'll say it. Most of the time when I drive Volkswagen products, I don't like them nearly as much as everybody around me seems to like them. Hmm. But I have sure. to be objective enough sure. to go, okay, for a segment of people. We talked about it for Eli earlier. For a segment of people, for the, the GTI or the Golf R checks every box they need.
1: Yeah, right. And and that's our search for the car debate for the podcast because for sure driving for sure. more and more cars, both of us will think, you know what, I could see how somebody could like this, but this would be a particular buyer that we'll just kinda of hold in reserve until somebody writes to us about needing these dynamics. You know, I don't think either of mm-hmm. us need a large four door sedan for commuting. But there's good ones out there that definitely speak totally. to people that meet their needs. But that's not what you and I are going after, so well, know, and, having and, that validation and of, of driving it is very important.
0: Totally, and total flip side of it. I know I keep bringing up the Lotus, but I've been driving it a lot, and I'm thinking about it a lot. The, the Lotus, I love, and I want everybody to drive a Lotus. I think everybody should own a Lotus until the minute you tell me you sit and stop and go traffic, and then please do not get a Lotus. <laughs> Yes, you know, exactly. I mean, I, that's, exactly. and there, that really, there isn't every other car that I can think of that I love is second on the list after that car. And I'm still going, no, 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 don't get what That's not for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just because <laughs> exactly. you don't want to punish yourself. <laughs> exactly. So find the car that works for you, Jay Cullen. And hopefully that, uh, that
1: helps out. Exactly. There's a question for a future topic Tuesday, I think here from Jay Mukiyama. Thanks for writing. What is our favorite fictional movie and TV car? I love the question. And Ooh, he included a, a photo of the 6,000 SUX from the original RoboCop. By the way, that was one of the first (laughs) really actiony bloody gory movies i ever watched and made an impression on my young brain especially when i saw that That 6000 sux it was terrible looking so yes we should get to that for a future topic tuesday i love that i love that (laughs) thanks for writing yeah really appreciate all your car debates your questions and your topic tuesdays as well keep them coming and we are definitely looking forward to next time cheers everyone